Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle's all about. And David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know we love talking about sex and sexuality, sexual pleasure, communication, consent, respect, and of course, relationships. And hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Great sex matters and you deserve it. So are some of your sexual fantasies on the kinky side? Perhaps they include bondage, flogging, tickling, blindfolds. If you want to find out all the ins and outs of BDSM so you can fulfill some of those sexy fun fantasies, then you're going to love our show today. We're going to be exploring all different avenues of kink and BDSM with the experts themselves, and I'm so excited to introduce our guest today. We have the hosts of American Sex Podcast, Sunny Megatron and Ken Melvinberg, who are sexuality educators edutainers specializing in BDSM, alt sexuality, and couples play. The pair helped create and produce the groundbreaking sex-positive TV show Sex with Sunny Megatron on Showtime. They're married, parents, ethically non-monogamous, and lifestyle BDSM enthusiasts. Most importantly, Ken and Sunny make awkward topics easy. They're approachable, real, and absolutely hilarious. They sure are, and we've had them on our show before, and we are so excited to welcome you, Sunny and Ken, to our show, and thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to be here on The Sexy Lifestyle. Oh my goodness, of course. Yeah, we are excited to be here. So, you know, we met each other a couple years ago when we were filming your Sex with Sunny Megatron show in Toronto, and, you know, we had so much fun on your finale episode eight, which was all about... Uh, fantasies and we did the dogging segment that was really a whole yeah, lot of you know, fun you know we're not even because they actually got to watch us fuck <laughs> on their TV show <laughs> you know I think they need to reciprocate and we have to go somewhere and watch them fuck okay sure that would be good no problem so yeah, guys, it's so guys, funny because we talk about sex so much but no one ever actually gets us gets to watch us do anything we're always behind closed doors well not ever not you can't well, do not anyone not anyone but not on TV we don't do it on TV <laughs> We usually say we don't do it on TV, except on that one time. That's really the only time. (laughs) So so tell us, is the show still out syndicated broadcasting around the world? It it is. I want to say it's in seven or nine or something or other countries. And we have one season, but in most countries where it airs, it's on demand. So you can just go, you know, here on Showtime, you go to your Showtime on demand, you can binge watch it. In Australia, it's on SBS, and it's in Italy, it's in Poland, and different places around the world. Yeah, every now and again, I get a message saying, I'm watching you on right now, and it's pretty hot. <laughs> so I get, those, yeah. <laughs> I get those messages every now and again on Facebook. It's kind of fun. And our friends mm, always definitely. want to know, were you guys actually fucking? And we said, oh, yeah, the uh, editor did a good job taking out the things that aren't allowed on Showtime, <laughs> but we were actually doing it. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I remember Carol squirting as much as uh, Old Faithful. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And she still does. <laughs> so how did your TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, how did it springboard your careers as educators? That's an interesting question because the answer is different for the both of us, I think, in that I had been a sexuality educator for 15 years before Sex with Sunny Megatron. So although it definitely elevated me to a more national position, I already had been doing this so long. I've been one of the experts from Chicago, but I think Sunny's experience was a little bit different because you were just like in the beginning of your career at that point. Yeah, I was in the beginning of my career I think because I was the host of the TV show and kind of the face of the, I don't know, fame, if, if, whatever you call well, it. Yeah, focus on yeah I would, I would, I get people coming up to me at events, you know, hugging me and crying and I kind of feel like I'm the Beatles sometimes. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so that, that definitely was a pain. you old Englishman? No, no. <laughs> No, but you guys definitely covered a whole bunch of topics that nobody would even think about or even look up or Google. And so I think that's why it was so educational. And groundbreaking, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. And it being on TV, that... Right, right. Yeah, we were really happy with it. And, and of course, you'd be... You, well, you might not be surprised, but others may be surprised to hear. We had some even more outrageous things that we wanted to air and even some things that we filmed. But when it got past the censors and the oh. legal department, they were like, whoa, this is even too much for Showtime. Mm-hmm. Oh. So... Maybe one day it'll make it like to a DVD only yeah. special, some of yeah. those th- things that got cut out. Oh, well, let us know if that happens because we're going to be the first to watch. That sounds like fun. And if, you do another, awesome. and if you do another season, we want to be on again. Awesome. Cool. And yeah. I saw also on your, on your website that you did a show called Outside the Box, and I haven't seen that, but can you give us uh, some information about it? Yeah, Outside the Box was a web series that we did He uh, with our business partner, Paul Fishbein. He's the guy who founded the AVN Empire, and he was a co-executive producer and creator of Sex with Sunny Megatron as okay. well. And that was sort of the, I don't know, first incarnation. It was a web series, a little bit more pleasure products focused, not as... Not uh, fantasy focused. Right, sure. not as fantasy focused. Product review, and it was interesting because on that show, I was the co-host. Right. And on Sex with Sunny Megatron, I'm the one who did most of the design of the segment. So I'm the one who came up with the ideas and, the, and a lot of the guests and that sort of thing. So it was an interesting change from one to the next. But we we realized early on that although I have a lot more experience, Sonny is definitely the star of all of this. And this is something that has just been a blessing for the both of us, I think, in a lot of ways, because we teach as a couple and we have all of my years of medical and experience and then her star power and then like everything she's learned in college from media and feminism and like all the marketing research and stuff that she's done. And it's just it's an incredible team. And we've been doing great media shows from outside the box to something Megatron on Showtime to American Sex. Yeah, wow, that's absolutely great. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that your mustache is famous. Thank you. It, <laughs> it, 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 it has its own ego. It definitely exactly. Is. I thought you were going to say it has its own ecosystem. It might. <laughs> it might. Absolutely might. Squirt. Like sometimes the squirt will actually remove the wax from the mustache. Oh, no. so if, I come, if I come out of uh, an oral sex looking like Yosemite Sam that like it, it exploded all over the place you know that somebody did a good job on it but, yeah, that, I say that, that would, sounds like fun and that would be success yeah, success job well done yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. And I can actually aim the, the uh, mustaches towards the clit. I can like squeeze them together and like, <laughs> oh you know, my like, God. Tiny tiny. <laughs> Does your mustache have a name? Do you have like a nickname for it or something? No, oh, I don't. And I should. We were just looking to the why don't we have a nickname for my mustache? So uh, then <laughs> my question is would the whole mustache have a name or would right mustache have one name and left mustache have <laughs> oh. another? I don't know. You guys, that's up to you. I think you're going to have to figure yeah. that one out. You on guys your own. might need to do a podcast on. <laughs> The mustache. The ins and outs of the mustache. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's hilarious. So so let's talk about your American Sex Podcast. You started it, um, what is it, about uh, eight months ago, and it's been super successful. What's the premise? You know, what do you guys talk about? Oh, we love doing our podcast. We started it in August of 2017, and it's American Sex. So we examine sex and sexuality and gender representation and sexual identity and even politics in America and how all of those things affect us. And when I described it, I even was like, that sounds a little dry. But really, when you listen to it, we're freaking hilarious. So we've had everybody on from someone as serious as former Surgeon General Joycelyn Elders to someone as pop culture and kitschy as the Grapefruit Lady who does the Grapefruit Bro job. Okay. We've had a man on that's married to a sex doll. We've had someone on who has a fantasy fetish of dying, who gets off from fantasizing about their own death. And we've had so many amazing oh, guests. Oh, like this last week, we had uh, Dr. Kara Cooney, who's an Egyptologist and a feminist, talking about the parallels between ancient Egyptian empires around Tutankhamun and how it's very similar to what's going on with the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. And then we also did learn about ancient hand jobs and semen salads in that episode, which was like mind blowing. Wow. Yeah. Now, I mean, we do a podcast every week as well. And one of the things that I love about it is learning every single week. We learn, 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 learn. And for me, that's my favorite part of the show, preparing it and understanding what the guests are, are all about and learning all these things. You, you guys seem to have a huge repertoire as well. You must be learning so much every week. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, just when I think I'm like, oh, hey, we know a lot. Then we branch out and it's like, whoa, there's this whole new world of stuff that we're learning. You know, I never thought, you know, as Ken said, our last guest, I could find a parallel and tie in the politics and sex of ancient Egypt to what's going on today in our sex lives. So it's just, imagine it doesn't cease to be fascinating. Right. And I, you know what? I've been a sex educator now going on 22, 23 years. So like my, my career had can now officially drink apparently because I've been <laughs> doing it for that long. And every year I learn something new and different. That's the one thing that I know about my job is that I don't know every fucking thing. Yeah, so the no. more that I learn, the more that I realize that I didn't know before. And I have a respect for, people that have come before me and that are older than me that are definitely more experienced and stuff like this. And the more experience I get, the more I appreciate the people that have more experience than myself. We live in the same world. It's exactly the same. And we know what we don't know. And we love surrounding ourselves with people who know more than we do. Mm -hmm. For sure. And do you have a favorite episode? Oh, God. Oh, guest? There's so many. I would say... Joycelyn Elders and Kara Cooney are a yeah, tie for me. I would say... Dominatrix Snow Mercy, who was also on Sex with Sonny Megatron. Her, she did our Christmas episode, and that was hilarious. Dixie De La Tour from the Body Storytelling Stage Show and Podcast. Her 
Oh, she's amazing. her episode was amazing. Like I, cr- I started crying like during some oh. of her stories. Yeah, if you guys ever get a chance, if you can bring uh, body storytelling to your city, what is it? It's a sex-based storytelling event where people come in and they do curated stories about sex adventures that they have had and then they accompany that with like a musical guest and fun games and things like that it's an amazing good time and it's always hosted in a bar and she just has a great time at it and you said it was in chicago no she's out of san francisco yeah she's out of san francisco does a lot of west coast stuff but also travels around the country and i think she's done a little bit of canada and yeah Sounds like fun. We'll yeah, definitely we're, look we're her a, up. We're a small country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, um, I, <laughs> I heard some rumors that you guys are moving to Las Vegas. Is that true? Yes. I can Ooh. assure you that that is going to be true. We don't know when, okay. but we do know that it's going to be soon and probably before fall uh, is what we are right. getting Right. Fingers crossed. You know, a lot of we got to get a lot of ducks in a row, but we live in Chicago and Chicago's great. I grew up here. Ken's been here for, what, two decades. However, we've seen it. We've seen it's time in Chicago. It's time to move on. And it's also time to be closer to the colleagues that we work with in the adult industry. You know, Las Vegas is a lot closer to L.A. and a lot of sex-based stuff goes on right in Las for Vegas. Sure. Yeah, so sure. it's a perfect fit for us. Well, and my, my two jobs are either regular to, you know, TV and movies, more conventional stuff, or sex-based stuff and true crime, all of which I can do more easily from Vegas than I can here. Plus, we're getting older. We're getting tired of winters. Like, we love Chicago. Uh, it's just that with all the, you know, it's getting pretty shooty here. Yeah, it's uh, shooty and it's snowy. Shooty. Like, you know, <laughs> we could have a pool and, and shorts every yeah, day. We so. and not, uh, not snowy. <laughs> we, we get it. Get We're in Montreal, the same yeah. weather as Chicago, so we know exactly where you're yeah, coming from. exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we would love to move to Las Vegas as well and get the heat. No beach. No beach. We need to go oh, to the yes. Beach. Okay, we want the beach. That's uh, thing. The thing is that we can, for what we're paying for our three-bedroom here in Chicago, we can get a six-bedroom with a pool and a hot tub in Vegas. Oh, there you go. But lots of friends are going to be coming to visit you, that's for sure. We'll be we'll be. Yep. <laughs> we will have oh, a guest bedroom with your name on it. <laughs> Thank you. Beautiful. All right, we're going to ask you guys to hang on for one second. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and today we're chatting with Sunny Megatron and Ken Melvoin-Berg from American Sex Podcast. Just hang on for a second. We're going to hear from our sponsor, The Throws of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket. And when we come back, we're going to get into talking about kinky sex education. So hang on. We'll be right back. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the Stay Dry Barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now. are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. 
This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we are Carol and David. And today we're talking with Sunny Megatron and Ken Melvoinberg, all about kinky sex education. And the more we talk about sex and sexuality with our guests, the more we realize that there's such a lack of real, true information available to the masses and a huge need for everyone to understand and explore their sexuality. The world of kink and BDSM, which is your specialty. So I'd love to start the discussion with explaining the term BDSM. All right. Yeah, Sonny, you take that one. So BDSM, what the acronym stands for is bondage and discipline, domination and submission, and sadomasochism. So that umbrella term pretty much covers anything kinky. So it's anything and everything. And a lot of people assume that if you're into BDSM, you have to like pain, you have to be into every single letter of the acronym, where you could be considered someone who practices BDSM and you simply just like bondage, and that's it. So it's a really diverse area of a lot of sexual behaviors that I would, I would even say most of us exhibit some kinky behavior, even if it's just a little. We may not even realize that's what it is. Now, I think people understand bondage. We've heard the word before and even domination. But the word sadomasochism is not as commonly used. Can you explain a little bit further about what is sadomasochism? Sadomasochism is liking to inflict pain or liking to receive that pain. A lot of BDSM doesn't involve pain at all, but it can. And what it does for a lot of people is there are actually some physical components. It gets the endorphins going. It gets your adrenaline going. Similar to when, let's say you're at an amusement park riding one of those big roller coasters where you have the big drop, or you're watching a really scary movie where you jump and you're on the edge of your seat. Some of the physiological things that happen in the body during those moments are similar to what happens to BDSM, and that's why a lot of people are drawn to it. Now, the SM part could, could be just spanking, for example. Absolutely. It could be as simple as spanking, or it could be something as complex as branding someone Oosh. and anywhere in between. Okay, electric play and those kinds of things. Exactly. Okay. Now, why do some people say they're into kink and other people say they're into BDSM? Are they interchangeable? Well, it depends on who you're asking and what their definition is of those words. I would say for the vast majority of people, they interchange the words kink or the phrases kink and BDSM. Technically, BDSM could include things more extreme and more refined. Usually when people are saying kinky, they're talking about eh, a little spanky spanky. Maybe I tie like you up with a necktie. Yeah, a little role play. But it really depends on, you know, everyone has their own definition of what those words mean to them. It's a very subjective word, kink is. And when you guys go out on the road and you teach kink or BDSM, do you find that there's a particular demographic of people that come in and want to learn more? Or is it as wide-ranging as people we find and are friends with in the swinging lifestyle? It's completely across the board. We find that there is a couple of categories of types of people, though. Like, we have... Your people that are brand new, maybe they just turned 21 and they want to start learning about this. There's somebody who's just coming out of a divorce situation or a breakup or separation, uh, and they always wanted to try it and they never did. Then you get like longtime kinksters who may want to try something new and different. So we teach 
not only beginner levels classes, but we also teach more advanced stuff. And that's, we have people coming to us for that. They've been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years. And then you have people just looking to, you know, spice up and change their relationship. And this isn't always a good way to fix that, but it's, uh, it's good to learn the way that we communicate in BDSM because the communication level in swinging and in BDSM is so much healthier than some of our muggle in the counterparts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I use the word muggle too when we talk about vanilla people and the lifestyle. So when some people come in, are they asking sometimes just for bondage or just for domination or just for SM? Does that happen sometimes? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And you teach um, those fact, classes? We, like one of the, we teach all of those classes. Okay. Yeah, we teach all those classes individually. We've got over 60 different classes that we teach all together, and then we also customize some for particular people. This weekend, for example, we're going to be at the Rochester Erotic Arts Festival in Rochester, New York, and we're teaching uh, advanced classes on kink and humor, on prostate play. We're teaching one on G-spot and squirting. And um, non-monogamy. Yeah, Yeah. we're teaching specifically a non-monogamy as a guideline for swingers who are maybe just dipping their toes into it and they want a little bit more than what they've experienced so far at some of the swing clubs. Mm -hmm. So even though we we specialize in BDSM, we really teach everything, you know, from basic sexual technique to non-monogamy. And it's interesting because we do frequent a lot of BDSM events. You would think they always want like, Teach, teach people how to set their partner on fire and do all these extreme things. And sometimes when you go to a BDSM event, if you walk in and you're like, guess what? I'm going to teach you how to squirt. You'd be amazed at how many kinky people are like, you know what? I can set you on fire and tie you up and suspend you from the ceiling, but I'm not sure where your G-spot is. So there you, you know, go. kinky folks really like those classes too. Oh, so that's so very funny. We teach anything from sexual technique to more advanced stuff like like we're doing an interrogation class coming up at Ascension uh, on Memorial Day weekend in Detroit. So interesting. Very interesting. All right. Just hang on one sec. We're going to remind everybody, this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we're talking with Sunny Megatron and Ken Melvoin-Berg from American Sex Podcast. And before we start talking about a thing that we've spoken about before, which is the movie Fifty Shades of Grey, I just want to talk a little bit about the BDSM kink lifestyle and how... It is sexual, but it's not about fucking and intercourse and sex. It's about a different pleasure or pain, whichever way you want to go, in terms of how you uh, spice up your sex life. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Yeah, let let me talk about this one. So first of all, it's like you bring up Fifty Shades of Grey, which is always a great and interesting question. And I, I, I have a pretty solid answer for most of the time when people make any kind of a comparison with Fifty Shades of Grey. So you don't learn BDSM from watching Fifty Shades of Grey any more than you learn how to drive from watching The Fast and the Furious. Both of them are very good, very entertaining movies, and they might pique your interest into either the world of, you know, illegal car racing or, in this case, you know, the world of BDSM. Uh, but does it happen that way in real life? No, not all tops have a helicopter and we don't always put people into codependent relationships. But you know what? Take it for what it is. Fifty Shades of Grey is a good intro to get people's toes wet for them just to dip their toe in a little bit and see what the lifestyle is like. And then we can sort of expand on that. And we see that there is um, definitely a connection between all of the sexualities when you start dipping in a little bit more. In fact, 
One of the things that is very interesting about this is that, you know, although there's not a direct connection between swinging and BDSM and Fifty Shades of Grey, I think that all three of those have connections into and of themselves independently. So there's a connection between swinging and BDSM, swinging and Fifty Shades, Fifty Shades and BDSM. Okay, very good. But those don't all, uh, so we were saying that BDSM doesn't always include having sex, not penetrative sex. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Can I address it directly? Yeah, it, okay, so this is basically how I explain it. You know, I'll I'll tell people in my classes, BDSM isn't about sex, and they get, what do you mean it's not about sex? And first and foremost, BDSM is about the mind fuck, not the physical fuck. So just like in vanilla sex, we say, oh, the biggest sexual organ is the brain. Same thing in BDSM, but it's like the brain on overdrive. You can put sex into your BDSM if you want. And I would say probably the majority of people do, but there's quite a few people that don't at all. They enjoy that role play, that give and take of mental power. Sometimes it gets them off in a sexual way, and sometimes it just feels good. It's a form of emotional release it's a form of very involved play it's a form of recreation some people even use it in a therapeutic sense maybe to get over fears or you know conquer certain mental hurdles or emotional hurdles that they're facing there are a lot of different reasons that people do bdsm and like you said sex is just one of them and doesn't have to be even one of them at all. In fact, one of the submissives I've had in the past was a gold star lesbian. Like, sexually, we weren't attracted to each other in that way, but we had a great dom-sub relationship because it was only BDSM and there was no sexuality involved. It was all pretty much spanking and me yelling and her cowering because that's what she wanted to do in that particular scene. She wanted it. She wanted it with no sex. Right. And often it's not the couple that do it together. Very often it could be one of the couple doing it with somebody else. Yeah. And, and I would say that depends. You know, what we tend to see, especially us as people in the sex positive community that are out in public and go to public events, we see the people that are non-monogamous in some respect that could be sexually that could just be like hey i'm monogamous sexually with my partner but i play with other people however what we don't see are the thousands of people that engage in bdsm at home that never go to a dungeon that aren't part of public communities that are completely monogamous in every sense of the word they're out there too so you know even though Ken and I are non-monogamous in you know sexually and BDSM wise i i oftentimes feel that in kink the monogamous person kind of gets the bad rap like uh-huh. wait a minute every there's no room for me in kink everybody's non-monogamous. And that actually isn't the case. You can make it whatever you want that suits your relationship style and your lifestyle. Right. And we say that about swinging as well. You know, swinging isn't about going full swap or soft swap. You can be a voyeur. You can be an exhibitionist. It's whatever's good for your couple. You can have a threesome with a girl. You can have a threesome with a guy. You can have a sixsome, a foursome, a moresome. It's whatever makes your couple stronger, we say all the time. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing I see in, in... all sorts of sexual subcommunities is a lot of people looking from the outside in assume that there are all these rules Mm -hmm. and there really aren't many. Like the big rule is consent, communication, 
honesty, trust. Those things are really important. But when it comes to the details of you can't do this with the, you know, you can't have a sick sum. You can't, uh, one misconception is you can't be dominant in a BDSM relationship but be the receiver as a sex act. You can't be a straight guy and have someone and be dominant and have someone stick something up your ass. Why not? <laughs> of course, you why say, not? Stick that up my ass. No, get on your knees and stick <laughs> that up my ass. You're being really dominant. You right now? Yeah, I am. I'm telling Ken. <laughs> so, so, Sunny, that is a great segue into our next question, which is your video series, BDSM 101. So let's just get back into the power exchange, the subdom. Explain that a little bit, and, and who gets the pleasure in that subdom relationship, and does one person have to be one or the other? That's a lot of you questions. You know, interesting. The answer in that, everybody gets pleasure out of it, first and foremost. That's kind of why we do this. Like, anytime you're doing any kind of play, there has to be some aspect of it that gives you pleasure, even if it's not necessarily sexual pleasure. Um, everybody is getting something out of it in, in some way, shape, or form. So to answer that question, everybody gets a little bit of the pleasure. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that's one thing that is overlooked when you're learning about BDSM is, you know, oftentimes it seems like the dominant is just doing whatever the sub wants or you have to cater to your submissive. And granted, you have to always do everything consensually and never do something that someone doesn't want. But as a dominant, you can say, hey, I don't want to do that. You know what? I'm the dominant, but I want a safe word. I don't think what we're doing. Right. You know, so everybody really gets pleasure out of it in one way or another. And or at when, least that's the goal. They should. And when you talk about power exchange, how do you actually describe that term? Um, power exchange. So that is one person holds the power, the dominant for instance. So as a submissive, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm not really very submissive in real life, but I'm pretending. Let's say I'm submissive. I am relinquishing all of my power, all of my control over to my dominant. Of course, in a consensual way. You know, when we say this, it looks like, you know, for, again, from the outside looking in, submissive has no control and they have to bend to the whims of the dominant Really, when you break it down to, hey, we've negotiated the scene, everyone agrees to everything, it isn't as, I don't know, forced as it looks, I guess, on the outside. But yes, you know, you are giving all of your power to somebody else. You know, what's interesting, on the flip side of that, we actually teach a class on inverse power exchanges, where we teach people that it's okay if you want to be a service top and you want to be able to have people tell you how to do dominant acts, or you can be somebody who tops from the bottom. You want to have, it's sort of like when I yell at people to shove things up my ass. <laughs> As a submissive, you might want to be a very dominant alpha submissive and have all of these things done to you. And by topping from the bottom, you do that. If you're uh, a service top, you're the opposite of that. You're the top who is having people tell you what to do, but you're still very dominant in the power exchange. So and I know that seems kind of counterintuitive, but there's no rules as to anybody's set of criteria when you get into this, except for the two or more people that are involved in the power exchange. So you can absolutely switch it up. So you might have two people that identify as switches and then they decide like in one moment, one, one, one of them is going to be the top and in the next scene or even halfway through the same scene, they might switch roles. Very cool. So I have, I have a question. So, you know, in the swinging lifestyle, our favorite is foursomes and morsoms. And you can be sure in the middle of that pile, Carol's at the bottom being the queen bee. What would she be described as? Everybody's serving me. Hmm. Everybody's serving Carol. <laughs> 
And she's not asking for anything. She's just lying there taking it all. It depends on whether you're doing acts people or you're having acts done to you. Well, By definition, the people that have the acts done to them are submissive. That doesn't mean they don't have control over what happens, though. Right. And, and also, even though, even though you're the receiver and you're technically, you know, bottoming, you could do that in a very dominant way. You could say, boys, get over here and fuck all my holes right now. And don't <laughs> talk. Just cock. do it. Get over there. <laughs> I want that cock there. That cock there. That cock there. Yeah. You, so she, with she, the lift on my pussy. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like been, it. She's been known to say, all right, give me two cocks. I want to suck them. So, yeah, she can be the sub and dong. Yeah. And, you know, there you go. We know in the lifestyles, the women who drive. So she's definitely driving the situation, even though she's there on her back getting pleasure multiple different ways. Does he sound jealous a little bit? Oh, no, 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 no. no. I love it. I'm I'm part of it all, so it's all good. Well, I've I've also been known as a dominant to have a submissive flog me because I actually like the way it feels. It's not painful to me. It's more like a a deep tissue massage and it relaxes me. So I could say, you, right now, don't talk. Pick up that flogger. Hit me on my back. Okay, a little bit to the left, a little harder. So, yeah, I'm a dominant, yeah. but it looks like I'm the one receiving all of the, you know, so it can it can be complex, but it's whatever you make it to be with the partner that your partner or partners you're playing with. No, it sounds, sounds interesting. Beautiful. All right, we're going to take a short break. Let's remind everybody, this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and today we're talking with Sunny Megatron and Ken Melvoin-Berg from american sex podcast and they're both sexperts in the bdsm lifestyle and when we come back we're going to get into busting some myths about kink and bdsm this portion of the sexy lifestyle with carol and david is sponsored by naughty in orleans july 25 to 30 2018 naughty in orleans is the largest lifestyle convention for couples in the world with over a thousand couples this event is not only a full takeover of one of the french quarter's biggest hotels it takes over bourbon street too it sure does so join us for a five-day four-night hotel takeover alternative lifestyle convention it's a gathering of open-minded couples who are all interested in exploring their sexuality while visiting new orleans one of the sexiest cities in america Check out our website for all the details at the sexylifestyle.com travel and events page. You are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. All right, we're back. This is The Sexy Life. We are Carol and David, and today we're talking with Sunny Megatron and Ken Melvoin-Berg from American Sex Podcast. So let's get down to some crazy, sexy myth-busting all about the BDSM lifestyle. Each show, we invite our sexpert guests to bust a few sexy, fun myths to help us filter through some of the misinformation that we find out there on the Internet, especially when it comes to the topic of sex and sexuality. All right, guys. So, are you ready? We have about uh, six or seven. I don't know how far we're going to get through them, but here's the first one. BDSM is a form of public (laughs) humiliation. Try again. Hang on a sec. So, BDSM is a public (laughs) humiliation. Okay. Are you having public humiliation right now? public because I can't say the word. All right. Is BDSM public humiliation or is it part of exhibitionism? You know what? 
it can be both and neither all at the same time. Humiliation is part of a spectrum of different things that we do as a consensual act. It isn't always what people think it is. It can actually range anything from getting somebody dressed up in a funny costume, forcing them to go trick-or-treating at an inappropriate time of year in a sexy costume, and you have your sexy swinger friends ready with like condoms and little vibrators and stuff, and you send the trick-or-treater over to their house, but it's April instead of October. That's one kind of a humiliation. Another kind might be to send somebody off to do errands around the city dressed up in a ridiculous costume. Of right. Sort. Yeah, so, I mean, public humiliation can be a part of your BDSM, but it doesn't have to to be and for some people that's the last thing they want to do Got so it. it all depends on what you like yeah so here's another one you're either vanilla or kinky in bed yeah, that's, <laughs> no. that's wrong. in fact they, they actually suspect at this point that the, there's a, a kink in bdsm orientation there are many people that when they're checking arousal levels either in men or women uh, they found that, like, sometimes, like, straight porn doesn't actually work for a certain number of people. If they need to see a little bit of hitting or they have a foot fetish or if there is some particular fetish or kink that makes it so that's the only way that they can be aroused, if that isn't involved in the pornography, then they will not achieve orgasm. Like, for me, example, I like spanking so much that if I don't see a little bit of spanking, I'm not going to get aroused. And even though I'm hetero... I would rather see two guys spanking each other for sure than a hetero couple just fucking and no spanking going on. It isn't an always for most people. people Like Ken and I have vanilla sex sometimes. And there are plenty of vanilla people that every once in a while do a little spanky spanky and tie each other up. You know, it's all about variety. It's a a variety and it's definitely a spectrum. So Ken, I do have a question. So if you like spanking or you like being spanked? uh... I like spanking for sure. Like I'm more of a spanker. We're both tops. Um, well, I started off as a submissive when I first started, and I do like being spanked, uh, but I like spanking far more than I like being spanked, but I like getting spanked, too. I would say my spanking level is more at a six, where spanking other people, I'm more at a ten. Okay. So when you watch spanking, then it gets you turned on, basically. Absolutely. I get turned on watching people. If I want to be the one doing the spanking or the person being spanked, depending on the scenario. Now, we did go over this particular myth, and I think you can just explain a little bit, but people think that men are always dominant and women are always submissive. Let's clear that up. Mm. Nope. 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 Independent. Yeah, it all depends on the person. We see in popular media, it's always the woman is submissive and the man is dominant. And that makes some people who first get into BDSM, like when I first got into BDSM, I thought, well, I'm a woman. I'm supposed to be submissive. She was so sweet. She was submissive. I tried. Five minutes. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. She licked my boots. And like she it was, was on gross. her hands. I hated it. Like, she had this look on her face like she just licked a turd. At <laughs> yeah. <it was> awesome. <laughs> I'm with you. But then, and then I... Yeah, and then I realized I was feeding into the stereotype, and it's 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 individual. We're all different. We're but we all individual. going into it that like we don't know, and this is the thing that we recommend to most people: if you don't like, if you're going into BDSM, and you don't know what role you fit in, and that's a lot of people that are first timers, try being the submissive first, just because you don't know what something is like until you have it done to you. So until you have somebody spanking your bottom. You may not know what that feels like mm-hmm. in order to get a, a good grasp of how to do it to a different person. And, and what I'm getting here, and, and this word is so prominent now in, in society, is it's okay to be fluid. You don't have to be one thing today and stick with it forever. You can be one thing today and be something different tomorrow. Exactly. Absolutely. And all those labels are just labels until you decide uh, you don't want them. They're just 
ways mm-hmm. of discussing yep, and then certain you can topics. Change and go backwards and forward. Right. Like it's, it's it's interesting having starting off at uh, being submissive, and then having been a dominant for twenty plus years. Uh, every now and again, I get a little bit of submissive side to me that wants to come out, but only with Sonny. So he did a fun thing. We, she likes the movie Mommy Dearest, and she was dressed up like Faye Dunaway. So we did a little <laughs> sexy role play where I was her little daughter, Christina, and we did sexy role play. And then she beat me with her wire hanger. No wall <laughs> wire hangers, Christina! Yes, Mommy Dearest. <laughs> you oh, Ken she's, not she's not mad at me. She's mad at the dirt. <laughs> so here's another myth, which I'd love you to tackle, is that even if you have a safe word, BDSM is not safe. Okay, well, first of all, I mean, if we're going to get technical, what's the definition of safe? Walking out of your door, a piano could fall on your head. I mean, really, life isn't safe. However, when it comes to basic BDSM, and right now I'm not talking about super extreme stuff like fire play and things we call edge play, it's as safe as anything else as long as. You know what you're doing. You you know, you're not trying something willy-nilly because you saw it once in Fifty Shades of Grey. Maybe if you're doing rope bondage, you took a couple of rope bondage classes. You're not trying things that are beyond your knowledge base. It's pretty much just as safe as really anything else you might be doing. And, you, you know, there's really three big things there. You have to be risk-aware. You have to be consensual with what you're doing, and you have to do a negotiated scene. So as long as you're doing all of those things, we find that it's a pretty safe thing to do. And, mm-hmm. and I just want you guys to explain a little bit that the ropes, because we know that's an art in itself, has to be learned. Just don't go out, buy it, and decide to tie each other up. I, I had taught some of the first rope bondage classes in Chicago. And rope bondage people, as a sexual subculture, are like the vegans of the BDSM world that if you didn't know they were a rope person within the first five minutes of meeting them, you will by the sixth minute. They will absolutely tell you they're a rope person, what they're into and what kind of rope they have and where they get it from. Most people... And do, what's the one true way and there is no to one, do yeah, bondage. The there right. is no one true way and everybody should learn how to do rope with just the 99 cent stuff from, from like Walmart or from Costco right. or from Home Depot. Some of my favorite rope, honestly, is, is the cotton clothesline rope that you get from, you know, the dollar store or the, the drugstore, just that simple cotton rope. You can do bondage with that. great nylon nautical rope that I get at Home Depot that I love. You know, most people are really into it, very, very structured and specific in what they do. And you're right, they make it present as though that their way is the only true way. This, there, there's a lot of myth in uh, how they present exactly what needs to be done. And they do that, sort of keep their very structured society, very insular. But a lot of the words, for example, David, that they that they use, like the word shabari was never used before 1996, except in reference to tying like a present up. Like the word shabari means tying something up, but it's more like a present. It's not like a martial art that the samurais use. It is not something that people had done for years and years and years in China or Japan. So they basically co-opted a benign Japanese word and went, it means fancy art bondage. And okay. It really and, it, and it's completely false. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, before that, it was called kinbaku, which is, the, which is the legitimate Japanese term for it. People that use the word shibari tend to be a little full of themselves, and they tend to be a little bit more on the very unrealistic edge of what you need to learn to do. 
any kind of robot. Well, Anybody I'm, can learn it just by looking at the internet. You don't I, have to take a specialized class. I'm glad I asked the question because I just learned a whole bunch of things that I made an assumption for. And that's why we talk to experts like you guys. Right. That's what's so great about this show. We learn new things all the time. Yay. So thank you for Good. that explanation. I mean, Anything, anybody who in any form of BDSM tells you there's one true way is full of shit. Right. Okay. Be skeptical if they tell Be you there's one true way to only do this. My documented series pay me $29.99 a day in order to do it. No, that's, I'm trying to get money. That's not the way that you need to learn. Well, I'm glad you guys clarified that. Here's another myth that I found. When the scene is completed, the humil- humiliated partner wants to run away and hide in shame. That is that is a reaction of abuse, not BDSM. <laughs> a BD, a, abuse ends with someone walking away feeling hopefully satisfied and another person walking away feeling awful and ashamed. BDSM ends with both partners walking away feeling fulfilled, happy. Again, that's relative. You may be crying, but because you wanted your outcome to be crying and you're happy that you got that. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And a, and a big part of this is that after you're done with a scene, one of the most basic tenets of any BDSM scene are you have to have aftercare for both the top and the bottom so that that bottom might need to be hugged. They might need to be like, they, they might want to give a blow job. Right. They might want to just stand in the corner for a minute or be reassured, you know, or whatever it is. But you can, like, I, I have never seen a BDSM scene where there hasn't been some kind of aftercare that goes on. So running away and being humiliated, that's abuse. That's not BDSM. Okay, very Beautiful. cool. All right, guys, that was absolutely amazing. It's been a long time since I thought I knew something. Well, not really. No, Carol every day. tells me that I don't know. <laughs> every day you learn something <laughs> new. Correctly me, but um, this was very educational, you guys. Thanks so much for your great myth-busting skills. We're going to remind everyone again, this is The Sexy Lifestyle. I'm coming up next is our favorite segment of the show, which is called Great Sex Matters. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this short commercial break. This segment is sponsored by Luxury Lifestyle Vacations and their Alaska Splendor Sexy Cruise, June 17 to 24. If you're looking for an upscale lifestyle event, join us on the Sexy Cruise aboard the Crystal Symphony Luxury Cruise Ship, departing from Vancouver, B.C., cruising up into Alaska's interior with a sexy team at Luxury Lifestyle Vacations. Yeah, what a great team it is. And, you know, we're going to be going to Alaska's remote and wondrous landscape, and it's going to be a dream vacation for so many. So why not spend it with us and other like-minded, sexy, fun friends and come on board? So check out our website for all the details, thesexylifestyle.com, travel and events page, or contact us for more information at ask at carolandavid.com. You are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolandavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David and today we're talking with Sunny Megatron and Ken Melvoinberg from American Sex Podcast. And we've had a great show so far, and uh, now we're going to get into some real nitty-gritty parts, talk about great sex, because... Great sex matters, and we all deserve it. So let's talk about how couples can start engaging in the The BDSM lifestyle. Yes. So uh, how could, could you set the stage for us and tell us a little bit about your journey into the BDSM lifestyle, how you guys got started? Oh, goodness, I will. But like mine is very atypical. I've been kinky since I was hatched, essentially, in my first sex act at the age of 12. 
was choking somebody out in analingus was involved at the same time. So I was doing the beginning of BDSM stuff from my very, very first sex act. And it's always been something that's been part of my life. And it got to the point where I had been married for a decade and then got divorced. And then I had met Sonny and I had already been very entrenched in this and had been uh, not only into BDSM, but had been an instructor of it for 15 years. So we actually had the, the really great opportunity to start our relationship uh, with one very experienced partner and one brand new partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for- both of us knew about both open relationship in BDSM is something that we wanted to have in our life. But just we got to explore all of those great things together, even though I'd been doing this for a long time. My biggest joy in sexuality and in BDSM is giving other people their first time experiences. That means more to me than anything else. That's what I actually get off on. Right. And for me, I had always had kinky fantasy somewhere back in the back kinky, pervy part of my brain, but I always thought I was weird and abnormal and never let them out until I was 35 years old and I had been, you know, I'd had a couple kids, I had been through, uh, you know, a couple of failed relationships and I found myself single and I, then I realized, wait, there are other people in the world that have these dirty, kinky fantasies in the back of their brain and they get together and there's dungeons and what? So that's when I got into kink and then shortly thereafter, within a couple of years, I had met Ken, switched my career from marketing to education, and here I am, gosh, close to 50 now, a lot happier than I was. Wow. So get, you learned the BDSM lifestyle prior to meeting Ken, but were you surprised with some of the things that he brought to the table when you finally got together? Clown sex. Dressing clown up sex, as a yeah. clown and, and having, I was like, what is, what you dress up as a clown? What? Until I tried it, and then I realized it was just an elaborate, ridiculous role play that was a hell of a lot of fun. Wow. So now there's not much I don't think that surprises me at all. I've heard some interesting things and done some interesting things, seen some interesting things, so it takes a lot to surprise me these so, days. So you guys you guys are so well connected. You, you sound like you're best friends and an absolute loving couple. How has uh, being in the BDSM lifestyle strengthened your couple? I think that communication, and of course, this gets old with every kind of alternate sexuality relationship, communication, communication, communication. It's really true. We, when we have this sort of lifestyle, it forces us to have these really awkward conversations. And the awkward conversations that most couples maybe never have because it just feels too weird. Where we've learned to, you know, the first time we have to have the awkward conversation, just kind of hold our breath and dive into the deep end of the pool and start having that awkward conversation. And every time we're like, you know what? That wasn't so bad. Now we're having a great conversation and we're learning from each other. And we've taken that communication style and it's weaved into every part of our relationship, not just kink and sex. It could be about, you know, paying the electric bill. It could be about dealing with the kids and how to punish someone because they, you know, didn't do what they were supposed to. That communication style is an integral part of every part of our lives, even down to people we deal with in business. It's amazing. I would like people to know that we are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, even in communication, I think it took me five years to tell you that I wanted stuff shoved up my ass and to have prostate play done. Like we were together, yeah. we were very open because I just I didn't think she would find it disgusting or anything, but I just thought it was something she wasn't interested in. But I didn't know because I never asked. 
because we're, we grow constantly. Our, our relationship's growing. We're growing. We're evolving. So the more you learn, the more you're able to talk about it. And you finally got to the point where you could express those feelings and those desires. Exactly. 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 And even though we're very open, we're not perfect. No, exactly. of course not. So let's just take a minute or two to, at the basic level, if someone's listening to the show and they're saying, wow, you know, I watched Fifty Shades. It was, you know, as movie Hollywoodish as it can be. Now I'm getting a bit more information. What are a couple of pieces of advice we can, you know, give our listeners if they wanted to be interested, where could they go? What can they buy? How do you start? Right. I would say first and foremost, learn and talk to your partner. So it, learning could be, you know, you had mentioned my BDSM 101 series on YouTube. It could be something as simple as that. There's a lot of great stuff online these days. Talking to your partner. So not just like, talking to your partner when you're dressed in leather and you're in bed ready to do something, but sitting down at lunch, talking about what are your fantasies, having those difficult conversations. We have a tool that we use that is it's called a yes, no, maybe list. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a, a list of all sorts of different activities you could do. And you go through each one. You say, yeah, you know, anal sex or whatever it is, or, you know, being spanked. Open swing, yes, close swing. You know, yes, I'd up, like to do this. Them. Yes, I'd like to do this. No, I never want to do this. Or maybe I might do this under the right circumstances if, you know, we talk about it. So take that yes, no, maybe list. Go through it yourself and first reconcile with yourself what you want and what you don't. Because a lot of us don't even know ourselves. Then once you've done that alone, sit down with a partner. Talk about it together. Then when you start practicing kink, don't just jump right into sexy. Practice spanking in your sweatpants on a Sunday afternoon in the living room just to see what it feels like. Giggle, laugh, don't try to make it sexy. Experiment with this stuff. So then when you are trying to make it sexy for the first time, you kind of have a feel for how to wield those instruments or how to receive them, how much pain things take or what kind of humiliation your partner likes because you've played with it on a very casual level before. Absolutely well, I like that. Fantastic. I think that's great. And what will be really fun with that list, if you go apart and each of you make that sexy kink list that you're saying the yes, no, or maybe, and then compare the lists afterwards and see if you're both kind of on the same page, that would be kind of fun yes. too. Yes, and we we actually you don't want to done to you like let's say David is maybe not interested in having anal play done with him, but he's very interested in doing it with you. You can look at it from both a giver and receiver perspective when you take a look at anal sex. That opens up conversation so that uh, maybe he does want to try it, and this gives him the opportunity to say, "Hey, about that, you know, I have a maybe um, anal thing because I, you know, what I didn't know is." Do you want to do anal to me or do I do anal to you? Like, what does it mean? And let's talk about that. But it opens doors where you wouldn't have any other way. And we actually have a yes, no, maybe list that we designed. It's at, we have a shortened address. It's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash B-D-S-M Y-N-M for yes, no, maybe. Oh, cool. And we'll so, a link for that later mm-hmm. on. Okay. If you guys have a little bit post that for your listeners so they can check it out. Absolutely, we will. So, guys, what an amazing show. We always love having you on. And uh, please, anytime you want us on the American Sex Podcast, we'll be more than happy. Why don't you tell everybody how they can find you, reach out to you, social media, all that cool stuff? Absolutely. SunnyMegatron.com is where we house our blog and all of our stuff. You can find either of us on social media. I'm at tag Sunny Megatron pretty much everywhere. Um, Ken on Twitter and in a number of different social media is at tag Chicken, P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. 
And to hear American Sex Podcast, you can go to americansexpodcast.com or visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash American Sex. And we have bonus episodes there and all sorts of extra things above and beyond the podcast. Beautiful. Thanks, guys, so much for being here. Thank you. We had a great time. All right. Just hang on a sec. So, you know, we're learning more and more every week with all our fantastic expert guests. We hope you do, too. And remember, great sex matters. And you deserve it. And we encourage every couple to make a point of learning more about sex and sexuality and all the different ways to spice up your sex life. To find out more, you can go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, radio show guest page, see all our amazing sexpert guests, and click on their links and contact them if you need some more information. Well, that's it for our show today. A special thank you to our guests, the wonderful Sunny Megatron and her amazing husband, Ken Melvoin-Berg, and to you for listening. And remember to sign up on stc.com for one month free. You can use promo code 30314. And we have some great events and some great trips coming up, don't yeah. we? This weekend, April 14th, we're going to be in New York City, the Big Apple, for the Killing Kittens exclusive casino night party. And we'll be sailing on the Crystal Symphony cruise ship up to Alaska with luxury lifestyle vacations for the Alaska Splendor Lifestyle Cruise, June 17 to 24. And in July, we'll be with SDC at Cap Dag, the naked city in France, from July 2 to 10. So join us on that amazing lifestyle experience. And then, as we said earlier, we're, as reigning queen and king, going to be at Naughty in Orleans, getting naughty on Bourbon Street, July 25th to 30th. And finally, we'll be joining STC Cruise uh, to Cuba in December 2018. And for more information about these trips or anything else, visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, or send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com. So join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle when we're going to chat with Dr. Kat Myers from Eat, Play, and Sex. She has an amazing podcast, and she also does Love, Sex, and Yoga, all about open relationships and the science of yoga. We are Carol and David reminding you to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 